Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to this episode of The Burt Not Ernie Show, where the promises of God are what we focus on. You know, knowing what God's Word says, that's one thing, and believing what the Word of God says is another thing, and I really do love it when both of those things come together and we both know what the Bible says and also believe what the Bible says. Now, knowing what the Bible says is incredibly important because biblical literacy is so incredibly important. When we combine the two, knowing the Word of God and believing the Word of God, specifically God's promises as it relates to this particular podcast, when we believe God's promises and we begin to pray in accordance with those exact promises, amazing things take place, both in us and around us. You're listening to the Burt Not Ernie Show podcast, part of the Spark Network, now playing in the Edify app. This is episode number 108. So we're continuing our look at the promises that God has given us in Psalm 37. Today we're going to read verse 34 and then skip down a bit to verses 38, 39, and yeah, and 40. So this is like the very end of Psalm 37. I'm going to be reading from the Amplified today, and I'm thinking that for the next episode, I may share a bit from my Spurgeon Study Bible, because, you know, between C.H. Spurgeon and E.M. Bounds, I have learned so much. You know, the real benefit of learning something is not about the learner knowing that's something, whatever the thing is that you learned. The benefit isn't in knowing the thing that you learned, but the benefit is really about the learner sharing that something with others. So, you know, that could be a good bit of encouragement to somebody today who maybe um, feels like what they know a lot about is just kind of, sometimes we feel like it's just like we, we joke about it, right? Like I could win a trivia show with all my useless knowledge. What if it's not useless? What if there's somebody that you could really encouraged by sharing what you know a whole lot about, like just by sharing, just by being willing to share it. You might really encourage somebody. I mean, even if you think that your subject matter is only interesting to a tiny, like a very niche group of people, well, the beauty of living in this era in 2022, a social media driven age is that through like hashtags, for example, you really can share that good stuff that you know with just the right people and be a blessing to them. So um, that's totally like an aside to the episode and to Psalm 37, but maybe it will be a blessing and encouragement to somebody to not necessarily put a lid on what you know a whole lot about. You could really be a blessing to somebody else. So Psalm 37 verse 34 from the Amplified says this, wait for and expect the Lord and keep his way and he will exalt you to inherit the land. In the end, when the wicked are cut off, you will see it. So waiting is not my favorite. But the older I get, 
the more I have learned to embrace the weight. Like I can look at it as an annoyance or I can look at it as a time of expectation, like healthy expectation. When I'm waiting on God, I should have a sense of healthy expectation. An unhealthy expectation would be expecting um, maybe a career change to fill the void in my life or marriage to make everything perfect because that person will, um, you know, as Tom Cruise says, you complete me. Look, we can't be putting those kinds of burdens on other people. That's not fair to them. It's just not right. That would be examples of unhealthy expectation. If I had my car paid off, I could finally like breathe, you know, with a sense of relief. Uh, It might be a real blessing to have your car paid off, but it's probably not going to solve all of the problems in your life. Only Jesus can do that. So a healthy time of expectation is waiting on the Lord. And when I live expectantly, it really does yield good things in my life. It yields, it bears good fruit. God's blessings, they're always worth the wait. And his promises to us are always worth the wait because his promises lead to his blessings. He, we're not waiting on promises that are um, just random, minute, no big deal, don't make our life better, maybe make our life worse. No, 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 we're waiting on things that are worth the wait. So his promises are worth the wait because the one who makes the promise is the one who keeps the promise. And so he's worth it. He's worth it. This walk of faith and this growth process that we're on as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are growing in our faith and we are growing in our healthy expectancy because God is worth it. God is worth it. His promises are worth believing because he is worth believing. So um, God's promises are for sure his promised blessings. So while waiting may not be my favorite, it's probably not yours either, receiving the blessing of the Lord, that kind of is my favorite. And waiting is the prep ground that gets me ready for the blessing. So wait for and expect the Lord and keep his way is what it says in verse 34. Wait for and expect the Lord and keep his way. Wait for him, expect him, expect him to move. You're not waiting absent-mindedly. You're waiting with a focus on he is going to move. I know it. I expect it. And while you're doing that waiting with expectation, keep his way. So, you know, while we're in that waiting season, we're sitting there in the waiting room, so to speak. You've heard that phrase before. You're in the waiting room. God wants us to keep his way. What does that mean? What does that mean? A simple version, it means to do what he says. Do what he says, because that's obedience, right? As a mom, I can tell you that delayed obedience from my children or like, angry door slamming, having a flat out fit kind of obedience. I'm doing what you say, but I'm doing it with an attitude and I'm kicking things and I'm throwing things. That's, is that actual really obedience? Is that the kind of obedience that parents want? Any other parents in the room ever deal with a a little one who, yeah, I guess technically they did what you said, but they slammed the door and they kicked and they yelled and screamed and uh, they maybe even just threw things around as they were obeying, oh, yeah, is that the obedience that you wanted or not, mom or dad? So, you know, you might do what you were told to do, but you also might end up in a whole new bunch of trouble because of the slam doors and the yelling and all of that. Parents, I know you know what I mean. So, and I've said this before, um, but it doesn't hurt to say this again. Don't be a bratty child of God. He loves you way too much for that. So love him back. Obey him. 
what he says, that is what you do. What he says, that you do. And then he will exalt you. Now, this is what the verse says, verse 34, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. So this isn't me, you know, talking Naaman and claiming or maybe out there with, you know, adding something that's like, yeah, oh, God just gives his best blessings to you. Look, I'm just telling you what the word of God says. I'm not adding anything to it. I'm just saying this, this is what the verse says, Psalm 37, verse 34, and then he will exalt you. Let that play out however he chooses. You know, David became king of Israel, first the king of Judah, and then of the entire kingdom of all of Israel. Um, That is actually what happened. The author of this psalm lived this out. He became the king of Israel. He was obedient. He was obedient. He was waiting with great amounts of expectation for those in-between years between the time he was anointed to be king and the the time he was throned, like, you know, put upon the throne. It was a different kind of a little throne. It was on a, on a hill when he became king of Judah, but like crowned, however you want to call it, when he actually inherited the promise. There was a delay in between there. There was a time of waiting and he was obedient. He waited with expectation and he kept the Lord's way. I'm not going to be a queen, There's never going to be a crown on my head, you know, in this life. And any crown or reward I get in heaven, I'm throwing it at Jesus' feet. I I want it for that reason, only to throw it down um, for him to get all the glory because it's all his, zero is mine. But I will receive some level of inheritance in this life from God. And that's the promise. That's his promise. And I really do believe this promise. So we need to be willing to let this he will exalt you thing play out however God chooses. Let him do the choosing and then just uh, just trust him in the meantime. While you're in the waiting, let him do the prepping. And then when he does the choosing, you do the praising. So this verse also says that when the wicked are cut off, you will see it. Now, David, he did see God dealing with his enemies in all sorts of ways during those um, 13 or so years of, you could call it like exile, being on the lamb, running, living in caves, hiding, uh, running for his life. He did see his enemies cut off. And then after he was given the kingship, after he became king, he, uh, he continued to see his enemies cut off. Now, again, I can't say specifically what this is going to look like in your life or in my life, but there's a promise here. Jesus said that nothing hidden will fail to be brought out into the light. This is just something that, that God brings about. It's part of his character, his nature. He is a God of justice and he can't not be. It's, this is who our God simply, but also totally is. It will happen and you will see it. That's what the word of God says. But I do want to encourage you to be a forgiving person. We don't hold on to anger and bitterness and rage and our own personal sense of justice needs to be done. Um, You need to take those things to the Lord in prayer and ask the God of justice to be just, but also to pray that there will be Uh, no bitterness inside of you. Like, I really want to emphasize this. Be a forgiving person. Make the choice to be a forgiving person, to pray for any and all who have hurt you or wronged you, to put them securely in the Lord's hands and then let him do his will with that entire situation, with that person or people, whatever that might look like for you. And you're going to be quick to forgive, right? Because that's 
That's the way that Jesus wants us to live. So we have got to get in line with that and want to live the way he wants us to live. Quick to forgive, not letting any root of bitterness, and I mean any, like none. Don't let any root of bitterness begin to take hold. Any bitter pill to swallow, like that's a bitter pill to swallow. Any bitter pill to swallow, maybe we should just spit it out and not swallow it. You know what I mean? Be forgiving. Okay, now we're going to read verses 38 through 40, and I'm going to stay in the Amplified. As for transgressors, they will be completely destroyed. The future of the wicked will be cut off, but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their refuge and stronghold in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and rescues them. He rescues them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Okay, so now these are the final three verses from Psalm 37. This is how David closes out this incredibly powerful portion of the Bible. He tells us, like, not the only time that David says this, right? He tells us that transgressors will be completely destroyed. I'm not in David's head here. I can't say for certain what all he was thinking about, or, you know, I I really don't know for sure, but, you know, I do know this. He had a heart for people. David's life shows that to be true. He wasn't heartless. I mean, he is known as a man after God's own heart. But, you know, he, but yet, knowing all of that about who he actually was, he still makes sure that the reader understands this that time does not stretch on forever with no accountability for the quote unquote bad guys. You know, Uh, Satan does not get his leash extended, extended, extended continually. When it's time to pay the piper, you got to pay. And if you don't know where that saying comes from, paying the piper, um, it's about the Pied Piper and the children and what the cost was for the people in that community for what they wanted. They, it's a very interesting story. Um, it's like an, a parable. You know, think of when children's stories used to have a lot more meaning. And I'm talking about a couple hundred years ago, kind of a thing. Like there was a lot of this stuff that that we know just like nursery rhymes from 100, 150, 200 years ago, things like that. They often have a meaning that we don't really know. And honestly, it's only going to be some of us who are in the middle of our life to older who even know those nursery rhymes and things like Ring Around the Rosie. Yeah, it's not a little dance kind of a thing. I mean, it's talking about a horrible illness, a a time of plague. Like there are people that know these things and there are a whole generation that doesn't because we don't read them or talk about them anymore. But the Pied Piper is a story that is worth reading because it has a really great, um, has a great lesson behind it that sometimes getting what we want comes at a much higher cost than we ever could have dreamed. There's a good lesson there, right? So, you know, when it's time to pay the Piper, you have to pay and uh, paying the Piper is usually very, very unpleasant. There's going to be a time when the transgressor, the one who is not going to honor the Lord with his or her life, when that one who's going to go their own way and damn the torpedoes kind of a thing, you know, a time of the Lord's dealing with them always comes. The future of the wicked will be cut off. Those two words, cut off, they tell us everything we need to understand about the way that God will deal with the wicked. He wants all men and all women to come to repentance, to know his son Jesus and to step into eternity fully covered by the blood of the lamb. That's God's will. And it's made clear all over the New Testament and frankly, the Old Testament too. God is patient 
and he is so loving. I mean, he can do nothing outside of his loving kindness. It's not only what he does, it's who he is, but he cannot just ignore wickedness and transgression, and he's not ignoring it right now. He is patient because he wants none to perish, but that's not the same as being ignorant of it. He's not ignoring it and looking the other way and excusing it. You know, David is honest when he says things like this, but David is not unloving and David is not cruel. Honesty is not always cruelty, no matter what our culture currently tells us. Now, David, he contrasts this for the rightness, the righteous, um, yeah, the, the people who have righteousness as followers of Jesus, I guess is how I should say it. Like my righteousness, your righteousness, it's in Christ alone. So when we talk about righteous people, it's not because you worked really hard to be a better person. We get all of that because of what Jesus did for us at the cross. So our righteousness is in Christ alone. And here is what, um, here's what he says, right? This is our promise. So we need to pay attention to this. The righteous, it's contrasted with what's coming for the wicked. The righteous will receive salvation from the Lord. He is their refuge and their stronghold in times of trouble. Does that bring you any comfort today? Any kind of comfort at all? I mean, really, what a promise. What a profound promise. You and I, we get to have God be our stronghold in our times of trouble and our refuge. It does not get better than that when you are up against something really difficult. Like this is real world, walking around, doing your daily life, comfort and hope here. Because is that not where we need it? In the middle of the mess, that's where we need the comfort. When we're just going through daily life and the fastball is coming at us, that's when we need hope. God's promises are are not for some floaty on a cloud kind of life, because who has that anyway? That's just like a total misnomer. God's promises are for the life that we are actually living. He cares, and because he cares, and because he is so attentive, he has made promises for us. Our job is to believe those promises, to believe him. Um, In the recent course that I have launched, uh, a course on Psalm 91, this is something that I talk about, the work of believing. And this is in the New Testament. Your work is to believe the one whom God has sent, his son, Jesus Christ. This is the work that you're to do according to the New Testament. Um, And I really do believe this because the word of God says this, the work of believing. Oh, and it is work. You have to get yourself in line with really believing. And tomorrow you may wake up and have to really work at believing again. It is work, but it's the work that Jesus said the father wants us to do. So yeah, let's do it. Let's do that. Let's do the work of believing. Now we're going to look at verse 40. Last verse in this psalm. The Lord helps them and rescues them. He rescues them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Do you need some rescuing in any part of your life right now? Then this is for you. God helps and God rescues. Both those words are both verbs and they're both written in the present tense. It will happen in the moment that you need it, not just for the past and not just for the future, for now, right now. God rescues from the wicked and he saves them. You don't, um, you know what? Actually, I don't need to add a whole lot to that because that's just as plain as day. He rescues from the wicked and saves them. The only way this won't be true for us is honestly, if we just flat out refuse to believe. And 
if we, by our lack of belief, basically imply that God is lying, then, um, you know, that's really what unbelief is. Like, you know, when we refuse to believe, we're kind of implying that God is lying. And isn't that a heartbreaking thing to think about? Isn't that just really just kind of make your your gut tighten up a little bit like, oh, that's horrible. But that's actually what it is when I don't believe. I'm kind of saying God's a liar. And you know what? He's not. Spoiler alert. God is not a liar and he will not ever, no, not ever lie. He won't. So why does verse 40 say that God rescues and saves us from the wicked? Why do we get this promise fulfilled in our life? Why do we not? Why does it say it? You know, not why would God rescue us? That's a that's a ridiculous question. I mean, why does it say that we get the benefit of being rescued and saved? Because we take refuge in him. It's a hand and glove thing here. This isn't automatic. It's not A-U-T-O-matic. It's not. We have to take that refuge. It doesn't say the refuge will come upon you and wash over you. Or, you know, I mean, it says take refuge, take refuge, make a choice, like take it, believe it. I am taking refuge in God in the midst of this exact hard situation. I'm going to give you an example from my actual real walking around, living daily life. I have a heart failure diagnosis. So, oh yeah, I daily take refuge in my God. I live, I dwell in his presence. I decide to be much with Jesus, to talk with him in prayer throughout the day, reading my Bible daily. I have a Bible journal. I keep notes in when I pray. I ask for the things that are on the pages of my Bible. I want to pray in accordance with what he has said in his word. I choose to believe what the word of God says over and above anything else. That includes the Cleveland Clinic team, what they say. You know, God's word is over that. Uh, the test that the electrophysiologist did shows this. I got to take refuge in my God and believe that his word is the final word. God's say is the final say. So I'm not ever sitting around like pointing fingers and lecturing people on an issue that I don't really fully understand the hard stuff of life. Yeah, that's, that sounds nice, Jan, but you know, you don't know what I've been through. I probably don't know what you've been through. And my heart grieves for what you've been through and what you're going through. But I definitely am not pointing fingers and lecturing from some high and lofty place where I'm, you know, I'm living the dream. And if you would believe better, you could live the dream. Uh, When I have a bad reading on my portable EKG, when I feel my heart doing strange things, and trust me, I can feel it, I have to make a choice. Do I believe God's word? Am I going to go to him right now in prayer, be much with my Lord? Am I going to dwell with him? Am I going to believe Am I going to be overrun with fear? You know, I guess I hope you're understanding what I'm saying is that I may not be able to totally exactly relate to you, but I can relate to doing what I'm admonishing you to do. I actually do it in my real life, in my hard places. I know what it's like to, well, to have a medical sort of death sentence given to you. I know what, I know what it means to have to live on God's promises I've heard those words, difficult and tricky to treat. The best we can do is manage quality of life until this life comes to its end, which won't be long. Those are sobering words to have a cardiologist hitting you in the chest, thumping in the chest and saying, this is going to kill you. Those are sobering words. But you know what? God's word, it needs to be the most sobering of all. 
I have had those moments where you're reeling from something and you you have a choice. I had a choice, like boom, right here, right now. I am reeling from those words and I'm going to make a decision. God's word is going to sober me way more than those doctor's words. God's word needs to be the most sobering of all. His truth is the actual eternal truth, eternal truth. You and I, we can live as if that's our reality or we can live as if it's not. I hope you choose to live in a state of refuge in your God, because that's what God wants for you. And when you do that, then you get the promise of being rescued and saved and helped. You know, this works, my friend. Living a believing life, it actually works. Ask me how I know. God does not have some special blessing on me that makes all this work out for me. Oh, no, no, nope, no. This is for all his children. And 1 John says that that is what you are. You are his dearly loved child. I want you to take that refuge in your God. And I want you to get these blessings because the blessing of the Lord changes everything. All right. Um, I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for spending this time with me today on the Bert Not Ernie show. If you would like to check out the Psalm 91 audio course, audio, that's not a word, audio, audio course that I mentioned, I'm going to put the link in the show notes. Um, And my prayer is that if you were to check out this course, sign up for it. This is my prayer, that it wouldn't just encourage you, but that it would change you because the Bible, Jesus, that's life-changing stuff. So why not your life? Why not your life? That is my prayer. If you would like to check it out, you can also just, if you don't want to check the show notes, I'll put the link at the very top, but if you want to Google it or look it up later, um, just type in my name, J-A-N, middle initial L-B-U-R-T, Psalm 91, Pray It and Believe course. It should pop up. It's on hosted on Hero FM, H-I-R-O dot FM. So if you wanted to look for it, you could maybe find it that way. I will be back here for episode 109 next time. Um, you know, I'm super thankful for you. Thankful for every single listener, every download in every country. When I see those stats, I just thank God that he would take a woman who was given a death sentence and say to her, why don't you do this? Why don't you start doing some speaking? Why don't you start a podcast? Why don't you build a website? Why don't you grow an email list? Why don't you found an online prayer retreat group and host some, some prayer retreats? Why don't you write some books? Wow. I can't even imagine what God will do through you as you just say, God, what's your, why don't you for my life? Because he has stuff for you. He has stuff for you. This is 0% about um, where you land in the kingdom of God on some measuring stick. There isn't one. The foot of the cross, the ground is level there. So thank you, Jesus. If he'll do it for me, I share all that for one reason. Let him say to you, why don't you? Why not? And just go on an adventure with the Lord. That will be life-changing for you and then is going to bless so many others as a result of you just saying yes to the Lord your God and what he has for you, for your life in this time. Thank you so much for being here today. And next week, we're just going to, we're going to do our finale in episode 109 of Psalm 37. And I'm excited about that because, um, man, yeah, I'm really excited about it because I'm actually, I'm going to pray it over you in that episode. So I hope you will be back for that episode. If you would like to leave a review for the podcast, that would be great because it really does help. Um, it helps with the algorithms and it makes it so more people see it. Get a five-star review. If you want to leave a written review, you can just say whatever. I mean, boy, this feels weird to ask for reviews like that. Say, um, 
I like that you learn about God's word or whatever. I don't know. Um, you could also share it with a friend if you think you know somebody who might benefit from hearing about God's word and his promises. Because if they are in Christ and they know Jesus, all God's promises are yes and amen through Christ Jesus our Lord. Is that not good news? That's such good news. I will see you back here next time. I really am thankful for you. I really am praying for you. And I will see you for episode 109. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day. And remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.